Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Little letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 13. You probably know it. Say it out loud with me if you do. He says this I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say that again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We could amplify that in Paul saying, I can do. I am able. I have the power. I am sufficient for. I can be effective at all things, all, any, and everything through Christ who strengthens me, who makes me capable, who makes me equal to every task, trial, or situation I may face. I don't know about you, but I read that and think, Paul must be having a good day. Maybe his life group just multiplied. Maybe church attendance was up a little bit last weekend. Are you with me? Maybe business is booming. Maybe he sold a lot of tents this week. I mean, he's having a pretty good day. He's pretty confident. But if you actually look at the context, guess what? He's in prison. In fact, four times in this letter, he says, I'm in chains. I'm in chains. He's in prison. He's in chains. He's not even sure if he's going to get out of prison. In fact, he has economic lack right now, and yet he's content and he's at peace. And even with his limitations, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's an amazing statement of confidence. And if you look at Paul's broader life, yes, he had miracles. Yes, he had many stories of transformation. Yes, he planted many churches. But life and ministry for Paul was not always easy. I mean, how many know he's been in prison before? He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been stoned with real stones, as we often say. He's been through a lot of stuff. Life hasn't always been easy. And yet he's got this inner script. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you know that you have a script? Like an operating system, you turn your computer on and there's a default program. We all have a script on the inside of us. Your script is the story you tell yourself about yourself, about others, about God and about life. And your script is powerful in shaping your lives. Paul's script was one of incredible godly confidence. I mean, he's bold even in the face of opposition and persecution. There's this confidence. Everyone say, I can. I can. A bit more confidently. Can. There's this confidence and yet there's this dependence. Everyone say, through Christ. Through Christ. Through Christ. I can, confidence, through Christ, this dependence. Uh, Commentator William Barclay says this, Paul was God-sufficient, not self-sufficient. He could face anything because in every situation he had Christ. That's worth repeating. Paul was God-sufficient, not self-sufficient. He could face anything because in every situation he had Christ. That is incredibly powerful. His confidence wasn't based on the weather. It wasn't based on circumstances. It wasn't based on public opinion. It wasn't based on what people thought about him. It wasn't even based on how ministry happened to be going at that moment. He's in change. He has limitations. 
questions, but there's this inner script that says, I can do everything. I can face any situation because Christ is right here with me. You're starting to warm up. Now, if I was to tell you about my life, I didn't start out with a lot of confidence. Recently, I've been scanning in some old family photos. In fact, I've got a photo of me in my early teens coming up on the screen now. Come on. Where's your high school photo? But if you look at me right there, I can tell you that the script of my life was not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had red hair, proof right there. I had red hair, I had freckles, I had fairly big ears, and the script of my life was kind of, can I do anything? What do, yeah, nice teeth, yeah. The script of my life was, what what do people think of me? Are you laughing at me? I'm a bit too young. I'm not sure who I am. I'm not sure I can do anything. Most of you who know me know that I describe myself as a reluctant leader. I didn't burst out of the womb with confidence. I needed other people to mirror to me things I couldn't see in myself and to help me develop confidence in who I am in Christ. And my whole ministry journey, 35 years now, has been a continual rewriting of my default script of insecurity and lack of confidence and doubt and fear, rewriting that script to the program of God's truth that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's a journey that I am still on. And so what about you? Where would you be on the confidence spectrum? As you're sitting here today, leader, volunteer, church member, are you right where Paul is? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or or you may be a little bit how I started. I'm not sure I can do that. I don't know. What will people think? Where are you on this confidence spectrum? You know, it's true that some people are born with natural confidence and they either just have it or they grow up in an encouraging environment. Yeah, have you noticed kids often have heaps of confidence? I mean, I, I had very little confidence as a kid, not because my parents didn't encourage me. I just didn't have a lot of natural confidence. You know, our three kids are exactly the opposite. I, I still remember Josiah when he was little and uh, he was doing something. It was just a, a little toddler and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was pretty clever. And I said, oh, Josiah, who, who taught you how to do that? And he goes, I taught it to myself. <laughs> I taught it to myself. In fact, we were just laughing last night about when he was a teenager, how he borrowed my acoustic guitar and he kind of strummed it for about a week. And then, and then he was heading out the door on Friday night. And we said, where are you going? Uh, David and Brenda were leading the youth. He says, I'm going to try out for the youth band. <laughs> and we said, well, you know, maybe you need to practice a little longer. No, no, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so he, he went down and he auditioned. And he came home and he was quite upset that they didn't see the potential (laughs) that he had. Confidence. Uh, Our son Ashley, uh, primary school, he's at chapel here. And Bruce Hills, friend of ours, comes and preaches a message on confidence and self-esteem. That night, uh, Nicole sees Ashley and he's he's in the bathroom. He's looking at the mirror and he's going like this. And Nicole goes, what are you doing? He says, well, that preacher today said, you know, 90% of people, when they look at the mirror, look at themselves in the mirror, they don't like what they see. He goes, I'm not one of those people. (laughs) 
And there's, then there's Natasha, primary school. She's come off uh, school and uh, uh, Nicole hasn't come to pick her up. She pops up in my office and uh, you know, I'm busy, but uh, give her some stuff to do. She's cleaning my desk and my drawers and um, she <laughs> draws, you know. And, um, <laughs> and she's doing a great job. And, and I said, hey, Tash, you're doing really well. Sue Veal was my personal assistant at the time. I said, hey, you're doing a great job. Maybe you could do Sue's job one day. And she goes, well, what about your job? She's 22 now, and she's a little less interested in my job. <laughs> Some kids just have a natural confidence. Unfortunately, life experience has a way of kind of knocking that out of you. Uh, but so maybe you're here, and you're a person that just kind of came out really, really confident, or, or maybe you're up the other spectrum. Of course, we don't want to be overconfident. That kind of leads to arrogance or cockiness or presumption, and we know pride goes before a fall. But you know, many leaders I know struggle with confidence. Even people of good character. Remember Timothy? Timothy had a godly heritage, great environment. He's a, he's a person of character. But in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul says to him, the spirit God's given you, Timothy, doesn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Paul had to encourage Timothy to rewrite the script of his heart, to not be intimidated, but to develop confidence. And so what's the script of your life? Is it an I'm not sure or or that will never happen, or I'm not needed around here, or I'm too young, or I'm too old, or my time is over, or I could never do that, or no one really cares. What, what, what's the script that you wake up with in the morning? What's the script, the story of your life? One thing that I know is when you have an encounter with God, God has a way of putting confidence on the inside of you. God gives us a confidence before himself, and it's not just personality. You know, you can have a quiet confidence. It's not just for extroverts. When God encounters our life, he gives us a confidence before him that gives us a confidence in ourselves, and then a confidence before others, and an ability to put confidence in others others, which is our role as leaders. The main thought I want to share with you today is that confidence is not permanent. You can gain it and you can lose it in a moment. You can build it, you can grow it, or you can, uh, you can lose it, you can let go of it. In a recent staff meeting, we chatted a little bit about some confidence knockers, some things that destroy our confidence and some confidence builders. And I want to unpack a few of them just in our time together tonight. What are some things that knock your confidence? Confidence is not permanent. It's not like I got that 20 years ago. I don't need it anymore. It's very, very vulnerable. Uh, take a moment to think in your life, well, what kinds of things have knocked your confidence? So I look back over my years of ministry, it took a lot to gain confidence, and along the way, my confidence has come under attack many, many times. Let me share a couple of things. Uh, one thing that's been a, an attacker in my confidence is criticism. You know, I, I watched Richard lead this church, I watched my dad lead this church, and I learned so much from them, and they encouraged me. And so when I took over, I thought, you know, I'll do this so well, I'll probably never be criticized. <laughs> That was a dumb thought, wasn't it? You know, the first year I was the senior minister, uh, what was happening in the wider body of Christ, just before I took over, Bill Hybels had come to Australia, had a huge impact. Lost people mattered to God, therefore they should matter to us. My dad and I are in the seminar. Everyone's in tears. We're going to become more evangelistic. We're going to become more relevant. And so churches started thinking about, you know, not just 
keeping the believers happy. We've got to reach our communities. That happened just before I became the senior minister. Then the year I became the senior minister, Rodney Howard Brown came to Australia and Guy again, and the renewal and, and the Toronto blessing. Anyone remember that? What a laugh that was, huh? That was so cool. And so I'm here, this young rookie leader. We want to reach the community. We want the Holy Spirit. And man, that first year was like, whoa, you know, we, we, we wanted the Holy Spirit, but we just didn't want to make church a drinking fountain. There's actually a race to run. Let's get, you know, so I was, I was trying to do my best. Really was, you know, I remember about a year into it, two people in the church came and saw me and they had a, they had a word for me. You know, you know, with criticism, how many know there's constructive criticism and destructive criticism? Uh, as someone said, constructive criticism is when I criticize you. Destructive criticism is when you criticize me. <laughs> Only kidding. Anyway, they had a word. And this one woman had, had a vision. And I was Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up in pride. And the, and the guy had a vision that city life was titanic and it was going to sink. So what do you do with a word like that? I mean, if someone says you're proud, how can you humbly say, no, I'm not? You know, it's pretty hard, you know? And so, yeah, that, that was my first kind of uh, venture into criticism. I thought, well, maybe I'm done now. But, you know, 20, 25 years on, uh, criticism comes at you. And uh, it's great when people talk to you because then you can kind of chat about it. And I can learn and we can grow. I've grown a lot through people's feedback. It's hard when they don't talk to you. I've had a bit of criticism this year. In fact, my new translation of Matthew 18, Jesus' command is, if, you, if someone's offended you, then write a few blog posts about them uh, or send them a message via YouTube, but don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. And so the criticism comes, and criticism has a way of really knocking your confidence. Ever been criticized? Uh, if you haven't, then you, you just started leading, obviously. Because it happens. It happens. Uh, uh, disappointment is another thing that knocks your confidence. You know, you have hopes. You, you, you believe something will turn out a certain way. How many know you can't control outcomes? You can do things and you think if you do A, B, C, and D, E will happen. And it just doesn't always happen. Uh, many times when I've been disappointed and things didn't quite go as well as I, I thought they would. Uh, doubts. Uh, doubts have come into my mind. I'm sure you've experienced doubts. Questions. A- am I? Am I the right person? Can I? Should I? Uh, what if? You know, doubts come, and if we're not careful, they, they knock our confidence. Unresolved conflicts. You've probably lost more sleep over a conflict that's not yet resolved, and, and that, that can really knock your confidence as a leader. Uh, mistakes. Anyone made any mistakes? I thought as you get older, you, you would... Move away from mistakes, you know. I did a really dumb thing a couple of weeks ago. You want to hear about it? Man, enthusiasm, enthusiasm level just went up in the room. You know, I'm 53, I'm smart, you know. And uh, I was, uh, a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago, I had a really busy week, and I thought, I'm going to go home a little early. I'm going to get flowers for Nicole. I'm going to buy her a gift and just surprise her. Good heart, you know. And so I... I'm driving off, and my, my, my tank, we, we leased some cars at the church here, so I've been driving to Ford Territory. So I was running on empty, which is not typical at all. And um, 
So I stopped at the Shell station over here on uh, Stud and Fintry Gully and I filled up. And then I went up to Stud Park. And just sort of getting to Stud Park, the car's kind of shaking a little bit. Oh, that's a little weird. And anyway, so I went in, got my flowers, got the gift, got back in the car, pulled out. And it was shaking so much, like I couldn't even control it. So I had to kind of pull in and I called the RECV. I thought, just tonight, I want to get home early. It's like, man, you know, got the flowers. They were starting to wilt already. And, and so I'm sitting there thinking, well, what's going on? What's going on? You know, and I, I mean, it's, it, it's a diesel vehicle. Mark Edison told me, always put diesel in or you're in trouble. And I, I always do. It's always the middle one of the three at the shell. And I know I put diesel in. And uh, then I go, let me just check my receipt. So I pull my receipt out. And it says, unleaded. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's always the middle one. It's never by... So the RCV guy comes and off goes my car. My confidence has gone down. The flowers are dead now. Yeah, forget the flowers. <laughs> Terry, Terry picks me up and takes me home. And uh, Anyway, it gets worse. So, so a few days later, Gavin, our new business manager, says, look, Mark, the, the insurance company, uh, they may not cover this. What? Well, we're not, just not sure. A couple of days go by, and then he says, uh, Mark, we just, we just had a quote for fixing it, uh, $18,000. What? I could buy a new car with that. Now, I can just tell you, I'm walking around the office, and my confidence has dropped a little bit. You know? I'm 53. I'm the senior minister. I can, I, I'm a doctor of ministry. I, I mean, you know, and people say, oh, where's your territory? I, I said, I'm getting a service. It drags on for weeks. It's like, man, it really knocks your confidence when you make a mistake. Some of you are feeling better already about your own mistakes. So. <laughs> Not every mistake has a good ending, but this one does because we actually got it covered by insurance. It was a write off. We actually got a refund. And the Toyota, Trado, uh, Toyota Prado that we're leasing is $200 cheaper a month. So I've saved the church money. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And the new vehicle has an idiot-proof contraption. There's a photo coming up right now. <laughs> you can't actually put an unleaded thingamajigger in there. God works in mysterious ways. There is a God in heaven. And this is the best story of transformation I've heard all year. <laughs> Mistakes! We make mistakes! And sometimes they don't all have good endings like that. But we do. We, we do stupid things. Sometimes we fail. I've failed. Done some things I wish I hadn't done. Forgot to do some things or didn't do some things. That I look back and said, I should have done that. You make some decisions, you look back and say, well, look, actually, there, there was a better decision. Or, or maybe I right, made the right decision, but maybe we implemented not too well. And maybe some people got hurt from that. We, we all fail, we make mistakes, and, and that can really knock your confidence as a leader. Discouragement is a fictional story of uh, the devil going broke and uh, selling up, auctioning everything off. And there on hell's showroom floor, he's got all of his tools pride, envy, lust, jealousy. and There's a price tag on each one of them. And over in the corner, there's a tool that looks really worn. It's not as in good condition as the others. It's, it's worn. It's kind of run down. It's got the highest price. And someone says to the devil, what's that? He goes, that's discouragement. He says, why is it so expensive? He says, it was my most effective tool. 
discouragement ever just kind of settles in where you just feel a little low, a little down, just a little flat. Like the story of the man in bed on Sunday morning and his wife said, you need to get up. He says, I don't want to get up. She says, it's Sunday. He says, I don't want to get up. I don't care if it's Sunday. We've got church today. I don't care if there's church. I don't want to get up. But you're the pastor. <laughs> so you get to stay in bed. Discouragement is a way of knocking your, your confidence, fear, intimidation, comparison. Oh, man, does comparison really knock our confidence? I remember as a musician years ago, you know, my security was kind of in how good I'd play the piano. And if I'd visit a meeting, I'd have my hands up, I'd be listening to the piano player. And if they were better than me, I'd be a little, little envious. If they weren't as good as me, I'd, Jesus. <laughs> comparison. The truth is, there's always someone better than you, someone not as good as you. But if your value's in that, your confidence is going to go up and down. You're going to be the best you you can be, not better than somebody else around you. So, so they're just a few things that have knocked my confidence over the year that I have to be, years, I have to be on guard against. It'd be good for you to have a think about what, what, what knocks your confidence. Let's talk about a few things that help our confidence grow just in our, our last part of the message. Uh, firstly, to see yourself as God sees you. So simple but so profound. You will never live or minister in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, you will act like a grasshopper. Remember the ten spies? There's giants. We're grasshoppers. If that's what you think you are, then that's what you will be. Joshua and Caleb, they didn't ignore the giants. They said, we are well able. Unless we see ourselves as God sees us, we will never have the confidence God wants us to have. Gideon was hiding and yet God said, Gideon, you mighty warrior. God sees not just what you are, but what you can become. And so seeing ourselves as God sees us. This isn't some kind of self-esteem pep, pep, pep kind of talk, you know. Uh, years ago, Delgent and Peter and I went to a seminar. And in the seminar, there was stuff on confidence. And one of the suggestions was to get up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself. I know Delgent tried this. Because he told me. But he stopped after a while because he already likes himself. <laughs> and what's not to like about this man right here? He oozes confidence. In fact, he spreads it over everybody. And that's why I love him so much. We're not talking just about us. Look in the mirror. I like myself. I like myself. Seeing yourself as God sees you. I heard a profound thought a few weeks ago. We all know the parable of the prodigal son. Just look at that parable and ask yourself, what is the script that each person is living by? The younger boy had done a bunch of things he regret. He regretted. He came home to the father and he says this, I am no longer worthy. This young son looked at his life, the decisions he made. His script was, I am not worthy. What was the father's script for that young boy? His script was, quick, bring the best robe and put it on my son. Give a ring to his finger, sandals on his feet. Let's get the fatted calf. Let's get the party going. My boy was lost. He's found. He's dead. He's alive. Can you hear the different scripts? Here's a boy who says, I am not worthy. How many Christians 
How many of us here sit and look at maybe what we've done and our script is, I'm not worthy. If you could only hear God's script for you today, bring the best robe and put it on my daughter. Bring the best robe and put it on. That's the father's script for you. (laughs) What about the older brother? Amazing story. The son was in, the youngest son was in the house. He left the house, but he came back into the house. The older brother was in the house, but now he's out of the house. He's got a bad attitude. Father comes out, and what does the older brother say? He says, look, I have slaved for you all these years. I've never done, I've never disobeyed you. And now this son, how many know when you're really angry at someone, you don't call them by name? It's that boss, it's them, that jerk, idiot, you know, this son of yours. Could I suggest that the older brother's script for his life was, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. Do you know how long I've been around? Do you know what I've done? Do you... He felt worthy because of all the stuff he had done. He was living a transactional relationship. If I do all the right things, if I keep all the rules, that was his life. I am worthy. And you know what the father says to him? He says, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. What an amazing statement. You don't, you don't need to do these transactions. You don't need to do all this keeping the rules. You are always with me. And all I have is yours. Well, what script are you living by? Are you living with a, I'm not worthy? Or are you living with, I'm worthy? (laughs) What what, what do you need to hear today? See yourself as God sees you. It's easy to say, this is a struggle. I find myself in there and out of there. But wow, when when you see yourself as God does, when you have security in Christ, nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to protect. Who I am in Christ is enough. Any question of my value and importance has been resolved once and for all. It's not dependent on what people think. It's not dependent on how the ministry is going. It's not uh, uh, dependent on opinion. It's enough to know that God loves me, to see myself as God sees me. And you know, when you have that security, it gives you an incredible confidence in how you relate to other people. So we sometimes think confident people, charismatic people, are the ones that walk into the room and say, here I am. (laughs) That's a very insecure person. A truly confident person walks into a room and says, there you are. They're already secure and they're there to minister to you. I read a great story about a man who knew two British prime ministers, William Gladstone and Benjamin Disraeli. He said this, Gladstone, when I, whenever I came away from a conversation with Prime Minister Gladstone, I left with the feeling of how brilliant he was. However, whenever I spent time with Benjamin Disraeli, whenever I left a conversation with him, I left with the feeling of how brilliant I was. Wow. What an amazing statement. Disraeli once said, the greatest good you can do for another is not just share your riches, but to reveal their own. When you see yourself as God sees you, you've got nothing to prove. You're secure. 
And you can actually start to impart confidence to others. A couple more. See yourself as God sees you. Learn all that you can. We can't be good at everything. We need to discover our shape. But just learn all you can. Training is so important. Years ago, um, we had a guy come and do some training with our staff. You might have heard this story. And uh, he had us all there. And, and he started by, by doing some juggling. He had three tennis balls. And uh, he was juggling them. And he gave us all three tennis balls. He says, hey, have a go. And so we all tried to juggle. None of us could juggle except for Peter Lee. And we hated him because he got it right away. But none of us could juggle. There were balls hitting the ceiling, hitting one another. We couldn't do it. And then he said, sit down. He says, take out a piece of paper. How do you feel? We all put stupid, idiotic, uncoordinated. It's, it's embarrassing when you try something and you can't do it. Then throughout the day, he taught us the science of juggling. He showed us how you've got to have an imaginary window. And you get the first ball up to the top and then the next ball and then the next ball. By the end of the day, we were all juggling. And he says, sit down, get a piece of paper. How do you feel? We said, fantastic, amazing, incredible. Can't wait to get home and show the kids. (laughs) And he used that as an illustration. You know, when you don't know how to do something, you feel inadequate. But when you learn how to do something, your confidence grows. It's a great story, isn't it? I had one of my worst bloopers telling this story in Perth to some leaders because I opened the story by saying, we had this man come and do some training with us and he had three balls. And I didn't hear the laughter, and so I just kept going and went on to say, and he took them out and started juggling them. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry, sorry. Bring the mind back here, bring the mind back here. It's enough to knock your confidence. But it's true. It's amazing when you learn something, how your confidence grows. You know, David, how was he confident defeating Goliath? You know why? Because one day he killed a lion, not Cecil. (laughs) He killed a lion and a bear, and that confidence enabled him to face a Goliath. And so learn all that you can. Yeah, wasn't that an amazing opening that happened there? You know, Micah Barnes learned... A year ago, Micah Barnes couldn't do that, but he learned how to work a little program, and, and he created that. It's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. Learn all that you can. It's amazing how your confidence can grow if you get training, you get mentoring, even learning from your mistakes and your failures. A couple more. Allow others to speak into your life. We need other people to mirror us, as I said, and to to show us the confidence. That's one of the reasons we gather is so we can encourage one another. We can put courage into each other's heart and soul. Final point is to cling to God. To cling to God. I think Paul, as he was in that prison, in those chains, with all those limitations, when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he saw himself as God saw him. He's learning. He's developing. Others have encouraged him. But in that moment... When it's all said and done, he's clinging to God, clinging to God, trusting in God. I'll never forget when I was a younger leader talking to a visiting speaker about fear. I said, look, I struggle a lot with fear. And he said this to me, I'll never forget. He says, Mark, if your fear is paralyzing you, then it's from the enemy and you need to break free from that. But if your fear is causing you to be dependent on God, you always want a little bit of fear. 
You always want a little bit of fear. Yeah, I still get nervous speaking. That's actually a really good thing because it makes you dependent on God. It's like, like the, the speaking coach. So, you, know, you know, Some people talk about getting butterflies in your stomach. You ever heard that phrase? Or when I talk in front of you, I get butterflies. And the speaking coach says, the aim is not to eliminate the butterflies. It's to get them to fly in formation. I love that. Those butterflies are good because they actually make you pray. They, they, they keep you dependent upon God. A certain little bit of lack of confidence is actually really, really good because it makes you cling to God. God, God unless you help me tonight, God, it'll just be immediate. If you're here, something dynamic can happen. We need to cling to God. Cling to God. And so there's just a few thoughts on growing your confidence. You know, let me talk to us as a church. I love City Life Church. We have a great heritage. Uh, 217, we'll be celebrating our 50th anniversary as a church. And we're talking about that already. Richard, great founder. My dad, who's on the second row here, jive into the music tonight. 90, not 90, 18, 80, 88 years of age. Come. Coming up to 89 next February, we have a great heritage, great prophetic words over our church. And, you know, it's not just about us having personal confidence. We need to have a, a confidence as a church family. You know, as I look across you as a group today, as I look at our people, do you know everything we need for God's future purpose for us? It's right here. As I look at our church, all the pastors we need, they're already here. All the teachers, all the prophetic ministries, all the evangelists, all the apostolic leaders, all the songwriters, all the poets all the youth leaders, all the children's leaders, all the church planners, all the mission workers, all the administrators, all the strategic planners, all the inventors, inventors, all the business entrepreneurs. You know, they're all here in seed form in the church. They are. They're either here or they're coming. And so we, we need to have a godly confidence as a church that we can be who God says we can be. You know, I, I, I love other families. I love going to other places, places for dinner. I love going out to restaurants. You know, my favorite place in the world is being with Nicole and my children. That, that's my favorite place in the world. Because I love every other family, but I love my family. Every time I'm with Nicole, with the kids, like, that, 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 that's enough for me. And you, know, you know, I've traveled the world, been to many countries, been to many churches. There's lots of great churches. But you know what? I love our church family. I, I, I really do. I love our church family. And, you know, we need to have that kind of sense of, yeah, yeah, I, I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of my church. And so we have an individual confidence, but we have a godly confidence about our future as a church. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. 10,000 stories, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This is our time. This is our moment. And so I'm praying for you personally. I'm praying for us at church today that God would put a fresh script in our heart. Whatever situation you may find yourself in today as a leader, as a volunteer, Maybe there's some rewriting of the script of your life as you get up every morning, as you face maybe some change you're in, maybe some real limitations in your life. You could begin every day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me pray for you. Father, today, thank you for the power of your word. Here's a man named Paul, a normal man, a human man. And yet they're in chains. They're in limitations. They're in that liminal space that we don't know even how long it lasted. 
there was a confidence in his heart and spirit. Lord, I'm praying for us as a church community. Lord, thank you for 48 years of history. Thank you for prophetic words that are yet to be fulfilled. Thank you for volunteers and leaders. And as we look to the future, Lord, the future is bright. You're not finished with City Life Church yet. There's more to be done, more to be accomplished. And so I pray we would have an appropriate pride in our church family, Lord God. We hold our head high. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Also pray for individuals here today, maybe whose confidence has come under attack. Maybe he's faced some criticism, some discouragement, some, some disappointment today. Or that they would see themselves as you see them. They would grow, they would learn, they would allow others to mirror truth to them and they would cling to you. Help us to be confident men and women in our homes in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our businesses. Lord, that we'd be confident men and women, not arrogant, confident in you that we can be who you say we can be. We can do what you say we can do. Lord, I pray for that today in your wonderful name. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a clap today. Give Jesus a clap today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your confidence your confidence today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.
Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.